today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Our joy is not predicated upon what's going on in our lives. Joy is constant. Joy comes from the Holy Spirit who indwells us and enables We can have joy even though everything around us is completely falling apart. We can be going through the trial of our life, (laughs) yet still have joy in our life. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. We know that we can't be happy in every single moment of our lives. Emotions are part of being human. The good wouldn't feel so good without the bad. But today, Pastor J.D. reminds us that even though happiness is fleeting and circumstantial, that doesn't mean we can't have joy in the Lord always. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. The finished work on the cross, I know this is a redundancy, you'll forgive me. The finished work on the cross is finished. I know that's deeply profound. You want to look up the word in the original language, the word finish, you know what it means? Wait for it. Finished. It's done. It's complete. There's nothing else you need to do. You can't add to it. You can't take from it. It's finished. Sit down. (laughs) Please. (laughs) You're making me nervous, pacing back and forth. What's the matter with you? I love this, and we saw this in Isaiah, which again, I, I mentioned this last week. I mean, you haven't lived until on Thursday nights you're going through the book of Isaiah, and on Sunday mornings you're going through the book of Hebrews. It's like, wow, doesn't get any better than that, right? Jesus can come back now. Isaiah, Hebrews, are you kidding me? We saw this in Isaiah, the sixth chapter, when (laughs) Isaiah is, talk about freaking out, if I can use that expression for lack of a better one, It was in the year that King Uzziah died. And King Uzziah was a good king. And under King Uzziah, Israel knew only peace and calm. But now he's gone. What are we going to do? So Isaiah says, I I looked up. Always good thing to do. In fact, let's just talk about that for a moment, if you don't mind. It's been said that when the outlook doesn't look good, try the uplook. Look up. And what happened when Isaiah looked up? He saw the Lord high and above, exalted. The train of His robe filled. I mean, it was the glory of the Lord. He describes the heavenly scene with the cherubim. But he says, this is the detail which you would think at first read was inconsequential, but it's not. He saw the Lord seated on the throne. Could you imagine? 
I think like this. I know there's clinical terms for this, and but could you imagine if the Lord was, here's Isaiah, and he looks up, and the Lord's pacing back and forth before the throne. What are we going to do? Uzziah died? When did this happen? Gabriel, Michael, get over here. What's going on? No, seated on the Calm down. I got this. It's like, what, the Lord doesn't know what's going on? Lord, did you hear what they're saying now? You know what the requirements are now? You know what the restrictions are now? Could you imagine the Lord going, I did not know this. (laughs) You don't say. No way. Yahweh! Yet he's seated, calmly, in control, on the throne. And here's why. (laughs) I love this. And again, at first read, you could easily miss this. But the writer of Hebrews is inspired by the Holy Spirit to say that because he has finished the work on the cross, he now sustains and holds everything together by the word of his power. Just his word. I think about Revelation 1, just the Word. The creation of the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is power of His Word. He has the final Word, and He holds everything together. Think of it like this. We talked about this, I think, uh, last Thursday, about the judgment of God is seen sometimes as the heavy hand of God coming down. Have you ever thought about it like this? The judgment of God is merely Him lifting His hand of blessing off of your life. And everything just goes into a complete tailspin and falls apart. Why? Because He was the one holding it together. He holds everything together. And sometimes I think we do err greatly when we just take for granted just how present He is in our lives. I often wonder... I don't know if we're going to know this in heaven, but I just wonder how many times I should have been killed and wasn't and didn't even know it. I I just wonder when we get to heaven, again, I know they have clinical terms for this way of thinking, but just indulge me for a moment. We get to heaven and I'm going to have my own mansion theater, you know, so I go in, popcorn, popcorn in heaven, by the way, popcorn is in heaven. And um, I'm going to sit down and they're going to show me a, film of all, you know, like when you were eight years old, that happened. <gasps> I remember that. Yeah, I, I, I saved your life. <gasps> I did the same thing when you were eight and a half, nine, nine and a half, ten, ten and a half, <laughs> ten and three quarters, eleven. All through your life I held it all together. Calm down. Calm down. The second one is because Jesus overrules all and rules over all. Verses 4 through 9 are interesting for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that the writer of Hebrews is inspired to go at some length to describe how that Jesus is infinitely superior to angels. Now this would seem like a firm grasp of the obvious, right? Come on, we know that. Well, back in that day, they worshipped angels. 
This was an issue. Paul, even writing to the Colossians, has to rebuke them in that regard. And what was happening then, really nothing new under the sun. It happens now. It's just got different wrapping paper on it. We have somehow brought Jesus down to the level of the angels, and now all of a sudden the angels have been brought up and put on the same playing field as Jesus. And what the writer of Hebrews is telling us is that Jesus is superior to all the angels. He rules over all of them and overrules all of them. Much has been talked about. Man, there are numerous, a plethora of books about angels. And it is a fascinating study. I'll, I'll, I'll see that. You know, the guardian angels. <laughs> I owe my guardian angels an apology when I get to heaven, because the, the ones that were given charge concerning me, I could just picture them in heaven. Uh, We're going to assign you to this guy. No, not him. No him. Go. In fact, we need about a hundred thousand of you for this guy. (laughs) You know, he's just going to need it. But see, here's the problem. We're all prone to elevate the stature and the significance and the importance of angels. But the problem with that is, is that Jesus rules over all of them, and overrules all of them, and is set above all of them. And isn't it interesting, again, at first read, you can kind of read this and say, okay, but why would the writer of Hebrews be inspired to write that Jesus has been anointed with the oil of joy and gladness? I mean, where can I get me some of that? The oil of joy and gladness. I could use some some joy and gladness too. Well, the answer lies in the understanding of the difference between joy and happiness. Stay with me. You know what the word happiness comes from? It comes from the word happenstance, circumstance. See, that's what happiness is. I can only be happy when things are going well. I just thought of it. I'm so sorry. You're going to have to really forgive me on this one. That song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. I hate that song. (laughs) It's wrong on every level. Don't worry, be happy. Really? That's it? Okay, I'll start tomorrow. And it's not really, don't worry, be happy. It's more like this, don't worry, because you have no reason to be. It's been said that one minute spent worrying is one minute wasted. Why? Because, oh, you don't know uh, who's over all of everything that's happening in my life. You might see it as happenstance, but it's really God's providence. He's in control of everything. The problem with happiness is you can only have it and taste from the cup of it when things are going good, right? How's that working out for you? If the only time I'm happy is when everything's smooth in my life, at best, on a good day, I'm happy about 
two minutes, and now that's it. Then it's gone. It's fleeting, because it's based on my circumstances. Not so with joy. Our joy is not predicated upon what's going on in our lives. Joy is constant. Joy comes from the Holy Spirit who indwells us and enables. We can have joy even though everything around us is completely falling apart. We can be going through the trial of our life, (laughs) yet still have joy in our life. How is that possible? You know, I, I always struggle just being candid with James. I quote it. We haven't got to James yet. Guess what comes after the book of Hebrews? That of course presupposes the rapture doesn't happen first, but if it doesn't, James. I don't like James. I'm just saying, I don't like James. James is not a book of the Bible that you read and go, oh, I'm so blessed. James is one of those books in the Bible where after you read it, you're just kind of like, I don't even know if I'm still saved. I mean, he's in your face. Friends with the world, you're an adulterer. How about that? Have a nice afternoon. Friendship with the world. The most difficult one for me and James is consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, (laughs) when you encounter trials of various kinds. Really? Consider it pure joy? Surely that's got to be a problem with the translation from the original. The way I would read that is, consider it pure hell when you're going through trials of various kinds. Nobody says joy. you got to understand why he says that it's possible, doable, achievable to experience joy in the midst of those horrific trials, those fiery trials. It's the one word after he says that. That word is, wait for it, Knowing, knowing where God's going with the trial that He's allowing. God, what are you doing here? (laughs) By the way, take the why and replace it with what? Let me explain. God, why are you allowing this to happen? It's not why. The question's wrong. No right answer to a wrong question. Let's get the question right first. It's not why. Are you allowing this to happen? It's more like this. Lord, what is it that you want me to know because of what's happening? Knowing. Oh, I can consider it pure joy in the midst of any trial, because never imagine for a second that there would be any passage of Scripture in the pages of Holy Writ that would ever command or exhort us to do anything that God would not also enable us to do. That's inconsistent with God's character. He cannot do that. If God is calling us, exhorting us, commanding us to do that, His callings are His enablings. He's going to call us, exhort us, command us to do something, and then He's also going to give us the Holy Spirit to enable us and empower us to do it. And you can't blame James, by the way. You understand who James was, right? 
He was born to Joseph and Mary after Jesus. Can you imagine that? Your half-brother is God incarnate? You're growing up with, he's perfect. Why can't you be more like your brother? So I get it. I know why he's so brash and rough and, you know, in your face. I mean, hey, listen, if I grew up in the house with the Savior of the world, God incarnate, I'd be like that too. I'd probably be worse. I can consider it pure joy knowing that God is allowing this trial into my life because He's going to give me the very thing that I'm lacking in order to get through the trial in my life. What are you lacking? Oh, (laughs) patience, (laughs) perseverance, endurance, so that you are mature and lacking nothing. That's why He's allowing it. And if you know that, you can have joy in the midst of that. Oh! So, wait a minute. You're allowing this trial in my life so that I can develop patience? Yeah. You forgot? What what did I forget, Lord? No, you go back to your prayer list. Do you remember what you prayed? Don't pray this. If you do pray for patience, just, you're going to get it. (laughs) It won't be the way you think. You prayed, you asked me. You prayed for patience. I said, okay. That's what I mean by the angels. They're like in heaven, don't pray that. Oh, no. We're going to have to work overtime now. But here's what happens on the tail end of that. You get through it, and you look back on it, And you say things like this, I can't believe I made it through that. Well, come on, let's give credit where credit is due. You didn't make it through that. God got you through that. He gave you the patience and the perseverance and the endurance to get through that. Now you're on the other end of that. Have you ever said to yourself this, man, If I'd have known that God was going to do that, I wouldn't have fought him so hard when he would have allowed that trial into my life. Oh, come on, let's be honest. You're in church. you got to be honest with yourself. We are kicking, fighting, biting, scratching against what the Lord's doing, and we actually unnecessarily and needlessly prolong the trial we're in. It's like God saying, I'm, I'm doing something, will you just let me do it? You know in school when you would take a test and you would fail that test, did you have to retake that test? I hated that. I had to retake a lot of tests. I don't want to retake this test, so let's get it right the first time. Okay, good, stay out of my way. I'm doing something in your life. This is a test, this is a trial, and I'm going to get you through it. And you're going to make it through. And what you're going to find in this process in the midst of the trial. Because see, if I took you out of it, I'm robbing you of the very thing that I'm wanting to do because of it. So in and through it, you will, how do I say this? 
I'll just say it from my own personal experience, through some of the roughest, toughest, hardest times in my life over the years, walking with the Lord. Times where you just, I mean literally, not hyperbole, you're in the fetal position, you can't even pray. You can barely even make a sound. You're just moaning and groaning and pleading with the Lord. And I'll tell you, the Lord meets you there. And He reveals Himself to you there in that place in ways that He could not otherwise reveal Himself. And you taste of the Lord and you see that He is good. And you come through that on the tail end of that. And I mean, it's like, wow, Lord. Had I not gone through that, I would have never seen you do that. Not that I want to go through it again, right? But I would never trade for anything what you did in my life in and through that trial. Unless and until we rest and trust that the Lord is in control of our lives, we will never taste from the cup of true joy in our lives. Third, Jesus, and this is a biggie, has given us an inheritance of salvation. Here again, first read. What the writer of Hebrews says in verses 10 through 14, you can just read over it. Yeah, okay, praise the Lord. But you'll miss it. You'll miss what's here. This is the supremacy of Jesus Christ Not just here and now, but for all eternity. And check this out. (laughs) Uh, He left me an inheritance. He left you an inheritance too. So while the writer of Hebrews is still speaking about Jesus' superiority over angels, we're told that these angels are merely ministering spirits sent to us and for us. Why? Because Jesus has given us the inheritance of salvation to us, which means angels are never to be worshipped by us. What if I said it like this? Uh, part of our inheritance are these angels. Do you remember when the Apostle Paul rebuked the Corinthian church? Because they were suing each other as brothers, not to sue another Christian. They had these lawsuits against each other. Said, why would you do that? Don't you know that in heaven you're going to be judging over angels? We're over the angels. And I know i got to say this, and I'm sorry that i got to say this, and I mean... I want to be sensitive and as loving as I can, but, you know, it's okay. People grieve in different ways, but when somebody dies, they don't become an angel. That would be a demotion. No, we're over the angels. They're part of our inheritance. I wonder how many angels I'm inheriting. (laughs) Again, I feel very sorry for them. I'll apologize to them when I get there. They're part of our inheritance. Not just now, but for all eternity. 
Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Some of what you heard today may have encouraged you in your faith. There are many revered Bible characters mentioned in the book of Hebrews, people who lived ordinary lives but amounted to much in God's eyes when it came to faith. Perhaps you might be the same. You're living your very ordinary life, striving to live for God, but sometimes you make some harebrained decisions. Thankfully, God's looking at your life and your faith as a whole. This should be encouraging to you. You don't have to live up to perfection. Continue following this series with us in the book of Hebrews to gain additional glimpses of faith lived out. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of In Spirit and Truth, go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're at our website, feel free to check out additional teachings from Pastor J.D. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come join us. Visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D., You can find service times and directions on our website. Once again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Thanks for listening today to this teaching in the book of Hebrews. We hope you'll join us for our next edition of In Spirit and Truth, where Pastor J.D. has much to share with you about what God has been putting on his heart. Faith is something that's ongoing, so keep it up. Join us again on In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true.